All right, what's up, guys? Before we get into today's episode, uh, I want to know, are you tired of playing season-long fantasy leagues and losing to teams, I don't know, like the the Easy Breezies or the El Magos or, or some player's weekend name pun and it's just the the all rises the madison bum pussies i don't think i don't think he put that on his jersey this year um but if you're tired of losing to teams like that uh i got a new idea for you let's check out thrive fantasy it's a new prop bet based daily fantasy lineup game and the concept's really simple you're going to choose an over or an under for a player's given statistics you're going to earn points based on those props that you guess correctly and if you combine one of the highest scoring lineups for that night you can cash in they got anywhere from two dollar games to hundred dollar games everything in between Thrive Fantasy has a match for you, and they're located in the Apple and Google Play stores. You can use our code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N. You receive $10 free when you deposit $10 through PayPal. They got football coming, week one's coming. I'm actually doing a fantasy draft as we're podcasting right now. Just got Dalvin Cook in a season long, but you know what? Hey, maybe not for Thrive. So figure out uh, what you're going to go with. Thrive Fantasy, prop up with us. Seven? Here we go. Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Three, two. That was drilled deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. A swing and a drive to deep right. Away back. Jason Giambi has done it. All right, welcome in. It's episode 14. Jordan's not with us today. Tommy Caraselli, Real 7 Costanza. What's up, buddy? Not too much, man. Uh, Getting back to the swing of things. Had a great episode last week. For those of you who didn't catch it, The Porter Project, episode 13. Great interview with him, but excited to talk baseball again. Uh, Taking a week off, I think, is, is good for the soul sometimes, and then coming right back in, we have Players Weekend. Yeah, so, I mean, let's just go right into it. What did you think of Players Weekend as a whole this year? Honestly, I'm not a huge fan of it uh, in general, but I, I, I mean, the whole concept of letting these guys just kind of do whatever they want uh, with the names on the back of the jerseys and the custom uniforms, all that stuff, I think it's fine for them. As a fan, I don't really get behind it as much as I would with, say, you know, like a destination game or something like that, because it doesn't really do anything to me. I just want to watch the game and, you know, watch my team win, but... For what it is, it's it's good for them. I hated uniforms this year. Though. Hated They were atrocious. Uh, they were fucking disgusting. So that's my one big criticism this year. They were so bad. And, like, to me, you know it's bad when even the players come out and, and talk out against them. Uh, you had... Yeah. You had the twins recreating the, the Backstreet Boys Millennium uh, album cover. <laughs> You had uh, Pete Alonzo posing in the jersey on his Instagram and saying the best part about Monday is you don't have to wear these stupid uniforms anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you had Terry Francona saying, did you hear his quote? 
No, I missed it. So they, they asked him, you know, uh, what do you think of the uniforms? He goes, what's the saying? Uh, let the kids play. Well, how about let's let the adults look like morons? <laughs> I, I actually, I love Tito. I, I do. I respect that man so much. I quoted it. I quoted it on Twitter. I was like, nothing but respect for my manager. Like, yes. Like, I love And like Terry Francona said, like he has a, uh, he wears this navy blue pullover, like the majestic pullover that they all wear. And yeah. he wanted to wear it, and like MLB wouldn't let him because they wouldn't let him clash navy and black. So the clubbies had to go get him a white hoodie to rock all weekend. And the Indians had the black jerseys too, which made it look even stupider. Yeah, and no, like that's, that's I mean that's that's the that's the dumb thing about it though. Like you can't let the fucking manager wear a pullover. You can't let the fucking pitchers wear the hat. Oh my god! The, half, yeah, the white hat. Half the league couldn't wear their, their their players' weekend hat. They had one guy mismatching the other eight because play because pitchers can't wear white hats. I don't know how I didn't think of this right when they, uh, right when we saw the uniforms. I think we talked about it on episode eleven, um, and I was always like the the guy who's like, hey, tell the ump he can't wear that white glove. Like, like I would I was always that guy with pitchers. Um, just yeah. to throw pitchers off their game. So I don't know how I didn't see this immediately. Um, and then you had the Cubs and the Cardinals just go rogue, and they wore their everyday hats. <laughs> Which is fine. I think, honestly, that's, for me, the Cubs and the Cardinals doing that, that makes sense because of the rivalry there. Um, it they is, weren't playing each that other. That's the thing. Well, then, see, I missed that whole thing. So what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like Players Weekend was just a mutiny then. Oh, it was. It 100% was. And like MLB comes in and scolds both teams. Well, how about you don't come out with dog shit uniforms? I know. I want to know who designed these. I want like, I want them to dox the designer on Twitter just so <sighs> we can send hate mail because I never want to see the, those black. The black pants really pissed me off. Oh, my gosh. They, they, I, I don't I was, know why. I was so annoyed by really, it. Really, It got under my skin. Like, watch it because... Obviously, the Yankees had to wear the black uniforms because they were in L.A. And watching that series, I was like, what the fuck? I, I could not stand watching Aaron Judge wear those black. And he had the high socks, too. He looked like a fucking idiot. So it, it looked like I got dressed in the dark. Well, so and then on, I, on top I, of that, like you, you guys were at least lucky and you guys had the black uniforms on the road. The Indians wore all black at home against the uh, Royals, who were wearing all white on the road. It looked doesn't make sense. It looked so stupid, and like, I I'm not a baseball purist about a lot of things, but that's one thing that pissed me off. The white team, the the team, uh, at home wears white pants. I don't care what color your jersey is, wear white pants if you're at home. Yeah, and I I don't think that's that big of an issue. No, it's not. It's it's almost like I forget what team it wasn't too recent, but there was a team that wore gray pants as the home team. Mm. And it was just, it looked really, really bad. It was probably the White Sox because they had some, like, dog shit uniforms. It looks like Stevie Wonder designed their <laughs> uniforms in the 80s. They had the worst uniforms, so it was probably the White Sox. But, yeah, no, it was, it, I mean, enough about the fashion of it. Yeah. The games themselves, I, I liked the Yankee series just because they beat the Dodgers in that series. But that was really the only series I watched for the Players Weekend because, again, I just... I really care about my team when they're on, and this was a big series, so I watched them. I, I could give two shits about the nicknames on, you know, D Gordon's jersey or 
there's some of them are good, but uh, most of them I was like, eh, fuck it. Like, I don't really care that much. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, all right, let's move away from Players Weekend. Uh, let's get into our weekly segment, Meet the Mets. And <laughs> I'm not happy about this one. Uh, yep. Mets, go ahead and sweep my tribe. And none of them were particularly good good games either i mean there was the one where they went to extras and the indians bullpen did what the indians bullpen did does and they they blew it uh you know you get a great you get a nice home run from from carlos santana in in the uh, top of the 10th to take the lead and then what do you know we give it right back in the bottom half um it's just the indians bullpen has a lot of question marks around it and i'm I'm starting to lose the faith that they're going to come back and win this division, especially when you uh, lose Jose Ramirez. But we'll get into that later. Uh, staying with the Mets. Uh, then you have Noah Syndergaard go <laughs> apps. I put the Indians Twitter account on blast. This was just a weekend to steal your a week to steal your term of just fucking savages. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the Mets took a page out of the Yankees book. It was like they felt the the spirit of Aaron Boone across the country. Yeah, I, th- um, I think so. Something must have happened. Something must have clicked because Syndergaard uh, went, he brought Thor's hammer down on that one. I I don't respect it either because it was the Mets. It's not like... <laughs> that's the thing. Like I'm cool with like players getting chippy, but it's the Mets. and They're, they're basically doing... They're taking a page out of the Yankees book and just being assholes. And they're yeah. not even humble about it. It's the, They're the Mets. Like they, You have to have some humility when you do that, and the Mets don't have it. Well, so let's go back to, to Friday night of that series. Um, or, I'm sorry, it was uh, it was Monday night of that series. The There's a ball down the left field line that a fan leans over and interferes with. Um, and then that fan gets kicked out. Mm-hmm. The, the Mets tweet out the video with the caption, Best Fans in Baseball. <laughs> Did they see see the Cubs? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was it was a play that interfered with the Indians' left fielder Oscar Mercado. So, what what do you think about that? About the team getting behind a fan that ended up getting kicked out? Um, considering just the history of it with fans doing that, so you have the kid from Baltimore at the Yankee game against Baltimore um, catching that home run ball that wasn't a home run um, back in the '90s, I think, and then. Again, you know, recently, somewhat recently, uh, with Bartman from Chicago, yeah, essentially ru- ruining the Cubs' chance to go to the World <laughs> Series. <laughs> um, so there's been a lot of bad blood with that. So I don't think I would ever commend a fan. I actually, that that is one thing that really pisses me off, especially when I'm watching the game. Um, like I'll watch my dad. It really pisses my dad off too. So I think it's stupid. Like you know that you can't touch the ball. But some of these guys just seem to forget about that, and they want their 15 seconds of fame on the TV to grab it. Uh, so, no, I would not commend a fan for you yeah. know, altering altering the pace of play, the way you know the ball lands, anything like that. It's like You have to equate it to if, you know, someone, like in golf, if a fan picked up a ball that was hit onto the card path. And like, kicked it into the rough. <laughs> yeah, and kicked it into the rough. Like, that's not kosher at all. So... The same shit needs to apply to baseball. And they, I mean, he got kicked out, which is good, but you shouldn't commend him for it. I mean, he kind of fucked up the game. Yeah, agreed. Agreed 100%. But then going back to Noah Syndergaard that we were saying, uh, the Indians going on August 22nd, so this was, uh, uh, this was after game, this is after game one of the series. 
Um, the Indians tweet, it's a long season. We didn't erase an 11.5 game deficit to roll over. We split a series with one of the best teams in MLB at their home ballpark. We lost the last two to a fringe postseason team. We understand your <laughs> frustration. Get it out here, but let's renew the perspective. So actually, this was going into game three of the series, so not yeah. game two. Um, and then Syndergaard goes out and throws that night, throws well, goes five innings, I think, or six innings of shutout ball or one run ball. He, he pitched well. Um, and then there was a rain delay. Um Regardless, he tweets uh, that fringe playoff team. We call that a sweep in New York. Get it out of here or something like that. Um, so, yeah, just full savage. And then there was a, a rain delay during the game, and the Indians take a video of uh, a flag that's whipping above the press box, and they superimposed a computer. It was like, oh, uh, somebody forgot or didn't hold on to their computer in the press box. And Cindergard <laughs> tweets, uh, "Somebody needs to be fired." Uh, it sh- I suggest the social media guy. <laughs> <laughs> like Cindergard just going in on the Indian social media after uh, sweeping the tribe. Yeah, fair foul. Uh, I think fair, just because he has to defend his team from yep. the perspective. Agreed. That- yeah, no. So it's it's fair from that standpoint. I think it's foul to keep digging it. Like, dude, you, you got your point across. Yeah, I was it. We get uh, it, but uh, so I think it was not, fair. Yeah, it's fair from from a, a standpoint of defending your organization. I get that, but I, I mean, enough is enough. If you keep sending repeat tweets, just like blasting the Indian social media or any team social media for that matter. Uh, that's why teams have social media people to deal with that shitstorm. So and they they'll make it cute and funny, and everyone will laugh and give it a like on Twitter. And then you had Noah Syndergaard coming from the fucking woodwork, just ask, calling for a man's job. So yeah, <laughs> that's when the lines get a little blurred. So I think the players should worry more about what's on the field and let the social media people just kind of banter with each other across the platform. Yeah, agreed 100%. I think I think it kind of gets lost on players that, like, that's not Terry Francona tweeting it out. That's, you know, some college social media intern. That's, just, like, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like, like he's not going hard. Again. Like, he's not trying to call the, the Mets a fringe playoff team. To, yeah. Like, on the, at that point, they were a half game out of the wild card. They were a fringe playoff yeah. team. Now. Still a fringe playoff team. Yeah, that's... there's. They're still two games out of the wild card right now. Exactly. So unless they're, you know, leagues above the other wild card teams, which in the NL we know is not true because everyone seems to still be in it. But the actually funny thing, the only team that's um, eliminated officially right now in the National League is the Marlins. Everyone still technically has a mathematical shot to get in. I thought they've been eliminated since April, if we're being honest here, but... Well, no, they actually saw the shot, but <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying, man. It's just this the, the social media guy is probably a college intern. Woke up hungover, had some bagel bites for dinner. Um, Making you know, me hungry. Holes on the wall, yeah. It's Kyle on social media, just punching holes on the wall. Uh, monster <laughs> energy. Woke up, sent out a tweet, angry at the Mets, and Syndergaard got a hold of it and just let it rip. Yep, exactly. But I mean, speaking of the Mets, I mean, we talked, you know, six, seven episodes ago about how. You know, Brody Van Wagenen uh, said he gave up at the deadline. Well, now here we are, and we just said two games out of the wild card. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think about about the uh, the Mets 
right now? Are you still on? Team, are you still on the, the the bandwagon for them to make the playoffs? Whoa, whoa, whoa. don't take those fucking words out of your mouth. Right. Edit that out. All right, I'm, I was never on the bandwagon. I admitted that they were playing good baseball. I'm not a Mets fan. I didn't say you were a Mets fan. Are you are you on the wagon for them? Maybe not bandwagon. Are you on the wagon for them to make the playoffs? I'm on the wagoning to make the playoffs. <laughs> like that? Are you on the wagon or off the wagon? I'm on the wagon, but. That might be the only to... Seinfeld reference that I can make that'll fly over your head, just so you know. I did not catch that. Good job. Um, <laughs> George likes his chicken spicy, but I do say, I will say this. The Mets have as good a shot as, you know, four other teams right now. And whether that's saying that they're legitimate playoff contenders, I don't know. Because the National League is such a clusterfuck right now that I really don't know who's contenders and who's pretenders at this point. Yeah. Save save for, like, maybe the Nationals. Um, I don't think any of those teams, like, the whole NL Central, to me, is just a wild card race. I know there's going to be a division winner. I understand that. But when there's three teams separated by three games, it's just hard for me to look at them and see who separates. And it's kind of the same thing right now in the NL East. When you look at the Phillies and the Mets – who are kind of in that same position, it's because I th- I like the Mets more than the Phillies, and I've said that pretty much since the Mets went on this little streak. Um, Even with Bryce I, Harper I, having the dad strength? Yes. <laughs> I, fuck, fuck Bryce Harper. Um, no, I, I really don't I don't like Philly. I just I do not like that team. Um, but I do think that the Mets have a, a shot. I, I wouldn't say I'm like fully committed on the wagon with them, um, just because it's just there's too much baseball left. There's still 30 games left. They have you know two games out. A lot can happen. But that's what we're kind of seeing with this whole the National League in, in general. So, and the, and the thing about Brody Van Wagen and this guy, like depressed, sad puppy after like June, just you know couldn't get him for an interview. Couldn't get him to smile. Just you know sitting out back. Just looking at the sunset, waiting for the season to be over. Now, all of a sudden, he's hip. He's ready to go. He's taking credit, saying, oh, this was my vision the whole time. It's like, fuck out of here, Brody. Yeah. That's not the vision. I have the quote from fucking June when you said that the season's over and you gave up. And, it, and like, there's no hope. So, fuck you, Brody. So, I, I don't think that the Mets are – I think they're playing in the moment right now. And I think Brody's definitely living in the moment. But I just – I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that can go wrong for them. And they need a couple things to break right. And they need the Phillies to be the Phillies in my eyes. And, and the Phillies are a bad team. So if the Phillies play down to my expectations, then, yeah, I will circle the Van Wagoners. If you're, if you're a Mets fan, and the seven of them out there can respond to this tweet, um, or this, this podcast, do you feel comfortable? Like, let's just, let's just say, okay, the Mets go on a fucking run and win the mm-hmm. series. Do you feel comfortable if he's at your parade? Van Wagenen? Yeah. Because yeah, he built the ship, but he also said the ship is sinking. Yeah, that's a good point. That's the thing. I mean, I'd almost rather him just come out and say, I was wrong. I'm really happy that the team's in this position. I, I did not foresee this happening. Instead of him trying to spin it saying, oh, you know, this was the vision the whole time. We really expected these types of performances. Because now you're talking out of your ass. And when you talk out both sides of your mouth like that, it's just for me as a fan, if, that, if Cashman did that, I'd be like, all right, well, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Yeah. It's, it's pick a, you got to pick a lane and just stay in it. And I don't think he's done that. 
And it's definitely the inexperience. I mean, he was an agent before this for a few of the players that he's ma he's managing right now. So I I get it. Oh, you gotta, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Oh, bath phone. Yep. <laughs> Fuck this thing. How do I unplug this thing? This is keep. I'm keeping this in, by the way. I hope so. God, <laughs> unplug this fucking thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what was I saying? Yeah. <laughs> fuck. 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 Fuck Brody. Fuck that phone. <laughs> fuck that phone. I need a beer. Here we go. It's happening. Yep. Needed it. <laughs> oh my. <God>. Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't want him at the parade to answer your question. <laughs> All right, let's fucking move on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Okay, back to Players Weekend. Uh, Yankees and Dodgers had a pretty good series this... <laughs> I can't... <laughs> Yankees-Dodgers go off seven. <laughs> so, I... <laughs> this series, for me... I like this series a lot. Um, potential World, World Series matchup. The two best teams in the majors going at it for a three-game set. Uh, minus those hideous uniforms. This was... I think the series everyone wanted to see. And for I really enjoyed it just because I went into it with the expectation that this was going to be an absolute slugfest and we were going to see just piss missiles left and right. And it really wasn't. Uh, the pitching for both teams was pretty good. Um, aside from, you know, a couple long balls here and there, the, both teams were in their respective games all weekend. Uh, there weren't any outlandish scores. I really hope that this is a preview of playoff baseball to come because these were the two best teams going up against each other. What I don't want is, well, personally, what I don't want is like what the Yankees had to go through last year against the Red Sox getting absolutely fucked. But I want to see games like that where it's competitive the whole time and it really can change in an inning. And that's kind of what we got with this series. It wasn't anything that, you know, that really turned my head it was just you know this is good baseball this is two competitive teams either the two best teams and i really hope that the playoff this was a precursor to what we can expect from the best teams going up against each other in october yeah um and then you had one of the coolest moments all all season with uh judge guaranteeing his home run then going basically calling his shot throughout the game like that was that was awesome yeah he's a fucking savage it was just the ghost of babe ruth inhabited my friend aaron judge and he hit an absolute fucking missile. So I was gonna. I was gonna. Was awesome. I would say something about the pinstripes, but you guys weren't even wearing them. So, no. That, <laughs> see those fucking black uniforms. So, Ugh. whatever. I I thought it was a cool moment, um, and I think it went to left field too. Which yeah. Is, yeah. So unusual for him. Unusual, but I'll take it. it. His swing, just real quick. His swing is gotta be just porn for baseball oh my gosh it's it's gorgeous it's like Derek Jeter on star well I don't want to say Star Wars because you just did the episode with Porter so it's <laughs> it's a stronger version of Derek Jeter <laughs> <laughs> meat and potatoes on Aaron Judge uh I, that, that was I don't even have a, a witty comeback for that one that that was good <laughs> um yeah I, I love like Aaron Judge is, is is one of the prettiest swings in baseball right now um, yeah. I'm trying to think who else, who else out there has got a really pretty swing. Uh, I like Yelich's swing a lot. Yeah, Bellinger. Bellinger's got a real smooth swing. There's something about left-handed swings that are just sex. 
I want yeah, it really is. I want to say it's the camera angle. It's the same thing with like left-handed pitchers. Their breaking balls seem to just break so much more. Yeah. Because I think it's where the camera's set up. But again, you're right. It is just baseball porn when you see like a lefty break a hook off, like a Barry Zito hook. Oh. Oh. That's a classic. <laughs> That's a classic reference too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on from Yanks Dodgers. Uh, so you know we talked about how earlier how the Indians social media you know maybe you know pushing it a little bit we had a pretty good one this weekend with the Padres scoreboard operator uh they were trolling the Dodgers this was midweek last week correct uh yes and then we had and they continued it into the weekend Rick rolling the Red Sox with giving the they went all shots of Red Sox fans building up to sweet caroline and then go full rickroll bringing you like they might as well just put it's 2003 again uh, and and worn the 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 pinstriped brown and orange uniforms that they rocked in the early 2000s i like those I, you, know, you liked those i did I, even though they looked like diarrhea i thought they wore them really well Ugh. but <laughs> I, I can appreciate a good rickroll when it happens and then we talked about them trolling the dodgers Comparing Justin Turner, saying he's often mistaked for gritty, and Kike Hernandez does a great impression of Bend and Snap, made famous by L. Woods from Legally Blonde. <laughs> oh my! Um, okay, so let's let's power rank those three: gritty, Bend and Snap, Rickroll. Go ahead. Uh, Kike Hernandez, that was the best one because it, it was the best one because he actually did the Bend and Snap uh, before batting practice. Okay, I didn't know that. That changes things. There's a video of it, and then I I don't know how the guy saw it or if he was at batting practice watching it or if it was after the game. I just saw on Twitter today Hernandez doing the bend and snap, and he was having a great time doing it. And for him to look – like imagine stepping into the box at a visiting – one of your division rivals and looking up at the Megatron, and you see your picture just blown up a million times larger than it really is. And right under saying, does a good impersonation of the bend and snap made famous by L. Woods from Legally Blonde. I'm sorry, but I can't concentrate the rest of that at bat. Counterpoint, because, do you think they even look up to those? Mm, that's a good point. I mean, how can you miss it? It's fucking big. True. It's huge. True. I, may, I don't know where it is in, in, uh, at Petco. Left field. Still calling it, yeah, so left field. So maybe not as much as like maybe Yankee Stadium where it's just dead center and it's yeah. right there looking at you. So, uh, hmm. yeah, I don't know. But I think, I mean, he definitely saw it when he was on deck. Oh, yeah. It's probably, you know, it's in his mind just walking up there as it transitions, as he's getting into the box and just seeing the bend and snap right there, just staring him down. All right, so that's your one. What's your? How do you rank two and three? I think uh, two would probably be the Rick Roll of the Sox just because I have enjoyed this season so much watching them just getting beaten down. And just to see them take another L in that fashion was the cherry on top. <laughs> um, so that was great because it, I live in Boston and these people are insane with that stupid song and they think it's like the fucking gospel. So to see like a visiting team kind of pull that one out, like, oh, get ready. Here it is. Sweet Caroline. And then fucking Rick roll them. Good. I love it. <laughs> All right, so then that puts uh, Justin Turner mistaked as gritty as number three. He kind of does look like gritty. He kind of does, he's... and that's and that's why it's number one for me. Because I really? I okay. love hockey, and I I think gritty is a, like like they said, it's nightmare fuel. Um, so <laughs> and Justin Turner, literally, if you made gritty a human, it is it is Justin Turner. 
those uh, baby fucking eyes. Exactly. Fucking. Imagine ugh. if they moved around a little bit, like Bill Skarsgård and It with that fucking beard. Gritty, I think, do. That is fuel. Yes, they do. Oh, but fuck, But imagine dude. if Justin Turner's did. <laughs> like, that's nightmare fuel. That is nightmare fuel. Um, imagine catching him in a dark alley. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then number two for me, um, I'm thinking. See, I didn't know the background on the on the Kike. I think I got to go Rickroll for the socks, uh, and then Kike three. Uh, I like I said, I love a good Rickroll, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's how I'm ranking them. I do. I I will say if the if if I didn't see that video of Hernandez doing the bend and snap during BP. I probably put a, would have put the Rick Roll at number one just because of the absolute fuel it gives me watching Red Sox fans get their hearts <laughs> torn out at every corner this season. So I, if there's a 1A and a 1B, those are my two. And then Justin Turner's because he actually does scare the shit out of me with his beard. And thinking about him with googly eyes now is actual nightmare fuel. I'll keep that at the bottom of the list because I don't want to think about it too much. So Boston's going to fucking crucify me for this take. For this take Please. here. Um, Go off. When I went to Fenway in May, I maybe it was just I had a different vision of it in my head, but Sweet Caroline at Fenway was not as electric as I intended it to be, or as, as I thought it would be, I should say. Yeah. And I went on Memorial Day, damn near a sellout. It was cool, and I got chills just for the baseball tradition of it, but man, I thought like people were going to be singing their hearts out and like there was a lot of people that didn't like give a shit about it and I was just like, "Oh. Okay. Yeah, imagine if Randy Jackson was at that game. That's a no for him, dog." <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if Boston's going to going to light me up on that, but it's that's that's my take. Um all right, moving on from that, uh staying with with some savagery, uh Christian Yelich posing for the ESP, ESPN the body issue. Um, and then a woman on Twitter speaks out <laughs> saying, you know, how can you pose, pose nude knowing there's kids who look up to you? Yelich, what did he say, my man? He just quote tweeted her and just said, Roxanne, relax. <laughs> <laughs> just straight like, shut up. She actually deleted the tweet. So yeah, cause um, I'm guessing she got crucified on Twitter. Oh yeah. I was reading the replies and there is everything from, you know, just nude pictures being sent via Twitter. Oh um, God! It, it was a weird thread. It was like insults, and then it was it was like half insults, half front page of Pornhub. It was the strangest <laughs> Twitter thread I've ever seen in my life. Um, but the original, she deleted it. But so if I'm paraphrasing, she said, "Did you at least think of the kids and the children that look up to you while posing nude?" Someone please think of the children. Which made, yeah, and that made me laugh more. It's like the way she worded it was that Christian Yelich was thinking about little kids while he was naked posing. Yikes. And that's why I think, because that was the original backlash she got. If I, went, if I was going down through the archives correctly, they were like, did you just say Christian Yelich, the potential MVP, is a pedophile? And it turned into this whole thing, and then people started lighting her up on Twitter. And then Yelich just kind of jumps in with relax it was r-e-l-a-x yeah relax it was very reminiscent of rogers telling everyone to basically just pound sand and 
relax. So it must be a it's a Wisconsin thing. I'm convinced. I was gonna say, is that like a like a New York like a get out of here like? Just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get crucified for that one too. I'm just putting myself on a target today. Um, <laughs> is it just like hey, relax? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very you know it's a nice way to basically say shut the fuck up. I guess it's very uh, midwestern. Uh, I guess in that area, you know, just hey, relax. It's it's okay. Um, but instead of you know, in New York, it's like fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's stay with the Brewers. Um, though actually, no, let's just I want to know point blank, no reaction. I didn't prep you on this question. Who did it better in the body issue? Prince Fielder or Christian Yelich? Which Brewer? Ooh, that's right. Prince was on the Brewers when he did that. Um, I'm gonna say Fielder because good his, take. His um, his body was able to mask a lot of yep. his um, yeah. Uh, and he had hit. I hate this was that this was on my Twitter timeline today, but like his was like mid swing. And, yeah. and like he had like the fat roll covering up his cocker and <laughs> yeah, I, I was dying. No, that's true. It was, yeah, I I think I respect Prince more. <laughs> you know who I really want to see do a body issue in like a completely uh, non sexual way at all? Uh, CC Sabathia. I feel like he no, he didn't do one. I don't think he did one, but I think he or no Bartolo Colon. Oh, give me that. Inject that. Nope, nope. Take that back. That, don't yep, say that, just, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> just seeing that powder keg of a man oh. sitting there. Yep, yep. That's what we need. I gotta see how big his gut is. That's the thing. It's like if it's like Peter Griffin, where it's what like was his playing weight. Uh, well, fluctuated. So when he first came up, he was a rail, but by the time he was on the Mets. Last year, I th- I want to say he was pushing at least two eighty. All right, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you an over under here. Two ninety two over under for his his over. his listed listed weight on uh, Baseball Reference. I'm gonna say over two ninety three. Under, he wow. is listed at two eighty five on Baseball Reference. Okay, that's not right. That's not correct at all. He was definitely pushing three hundred. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he he had three <laughs> bills in his back pocket. <laughs> Hey, big sexy. Yeah, they, they had the name for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's stick with the Brewers. Let's get off the body issue here. Um, are the Brewers the most mad team of all time? Yeah, the this is the, as pedestrian as it gets. Um, if you want to list off the stats real quick, because this I couldn't believe this when I saw this. Today. Yeah, my head spun when I saw this. All right, so in their last 10, they're 5-5. Five and five. Okay, not bad. Their last 20, 10 and 10. You know, average baseball. Last <laughs> last fifteen or last thirty, they're fifteen and fifteen. Last forty, twenty and twenty. Last fifty, twenty-five and twenty-five. Honestly, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. It's his. I think this is more impressive than Chris Davis hitting two forty-seven. Uh, yeah, it might be. It really because might. This be. it takes a village. This is the whole team playing this mediocre. For the last 50 games, playing exactly 500 baseball. The wild, the first thing that hit me when I saw that is that's not a team streaking. Like you see teams go up and down, and they finish 500, and like, oh, you know, we're 10 and three, but then we go into a, a four and six stretch, and then you know we go into a five and five stretch, and then you equal out to 500. They're just playing 500 after 500 after 500. Yeah, like that's no, that's it's impressive. It's honestly impressive. It really is. 
Because, yeah, to your point, when you think about it, like, teams will go on those streaks. Like, you know, I think it was – well, the Mets did it. The Indians had that crazy streak going. The Yankees They won 22 in a row the one year. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Mets have pl- played great baseball. Uh, and, I mean, like, you look at, like, the teams that are around 500 right now. Let me see who's around 500. Texas is 64 and 68 right now. Um. Milwaukee, Milwaukee's 67 and 64. So somewhere, probably back in April, they won three in a row. <laughs> yeah, they must have. They had to have done something like that. Or they just went on a, like a little, a baby streak where they got, who's their manager? Council? Is it still Craig Council? I think so. He's probably like, all right, guys, listen it. We got to put together a string of at least four games. Try to get four. <laughs> and then just, we'll let the bottom drop out again before we just wake up and have that energy for another five games. So, I mean, this is just as mediocre as it gets. And it makes sense when you look at, like, the run differential and everything there. Uh, this is such an uneven team in terms of how they bat and how they pitch. They have a negative run differential, but they hit the shit out of the ball. Yeah. So, it's, you know, they have... A really good offense. Obviously, Yelich is a big reason for that. And then their pitching is just so bad. And it's funny, too, because I feel like a lot of analysts, and like ESPN and MLB, um, when I watch them, they break down the Brewers. They, they still think of them as like a lock to be in the playoffs. It's like See, not quite to, that to, simple. To me, and, and this is, I, I think a lot of, or, I think a lot of analysts just straight up don't watch baseball. No, I think you're right because I mean, unless you're Brian Kenny, because I'm pretty sure that guy just grabs a box of Kleenex and some lube and <laughs> sits down to watch nine because Jesus. that guy can fucking. I really don't like him. I can't listen to him talk about baseball because <laughs> um, it, it'll turn into like the Billy Bean extravaganza. So yeah, but but yeah, I I don't think they understand like how pedestrian the like teams like this are. Like I feel like they still think the Brewers are like a lock to be in the playoffs every time I hear them talk about them. And to jump off that, it's almost like they are talking about the Red Sox as if the Red Sox are going to make the postseason. Oh, am I missing I, something? Because yeah, I would like, say, like, boy, like you said, are you? What am I missing? That you? What are you seeing that I'm not? Because yeah, I'm watching a lot of these games, and I know I watch mostly Yankees games, but I'll flip back and forth because I have the the MLB pass or the MLB TV pass. So I'll get all the games and I'll Sick flip back. Just get some, yeah. Humble brag right there. Um, yeah, I'm i uh, I'm rich so I can afford that package. Um, <laughs> but, but I'll flip through games and shit and I'll see like the Marlins games every now and then or the Brewers. And I have enough of an understanding. I think at least I think I do to understand like what teams are and what they're not. And yeah, the, the Brewers, even without seeing these crazy numbers, I would have told you that they're nowhere close to being a playoff team. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, and, and it sucks for me because I was, I was kind of uh, pounding the table for the for the Brewers at the beginning of the year, and they've done nothing to to prove me right or make me feel confident that I did that. Um, no, they really regressed. Since yeah, last year. I, so it makes to me that screams we just overachieved and 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 it was our year. And and now we're showing you who we really are, and we're just a math team doing math things. Exactly. That's that's exactly how I put it, Toby. It's, they overachieve. They definitely are not a playoff team. They didn't address their pitching like they should have. And there's a lot of things you can point back to at the deadline, or even the off season, where they thought they could just replicate that success. But you know, the Cardinals are good this year. The Cubs are the Cubs. 
So you, you I mean, to me, knew. to me, this is Cleveland Indian syndrome. You have yeah, your, a little bit. You have your guy that that is uh, going to carry you to the promised land, so to speak. And for the Indians, it's Lindor. For the uh, for the Brewers, it's it's Yelich. And you go, okay, go be quarter, go be Tom Brady, and, and bring us to the promised land. And that just doesn't work in baseball. No, you, it's a ve- it's very much a team sport. You can't rely on one guy. And I actually do commend the Brewers for being able to stick in it this long because of Yelich. And I guess I commend Yelich more than the Brewers because Yelich really has put that team on his back. And yeah. It's, it's been really just a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, all right, moving on uh, from the Brew crew. Uh, sticking with, you know, my guys, the Indians, <laughs> Trevor Bauer making waves for not the right reasons. And, and, and no, he didn't throw another ball into center field. But... W- <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um. But like, it. it what the, the comments that he made? He said, "Uh, I don't miss much about Cleveland." He said, "Quote: Everyone did a really good job of being accommodating and making it easy for me to transition to make the transition." Talking about Cincinnati, the information is great here. The coaching staff is great here. Overall, I'm a whole lot happier here than I was. Sometimes you don't realize how unhappy you were in a situation until you're out of it because it's just kind of day-to-day life. So to me, and this triggered a lot of Indians fans, thinking that he was taking a shot at the Indians organization and thinking that he's, uh, you know, saying that Cleveland was trash and now, oh, well, you're on Well, now that he's on a, a bottom-dwelling team, he's happier. Like, what the fuck? Um, I didn't take it this way at all. I kind of... I kind of sat back and was like, all right, what is he really saying here? So I looked into the quote, um, and the the, the, the line that uh, sticks out to me is, the information is great here, the coaching staff is great here. Uh, Bauer being a big driveline guy, a big next, next generation stats guy, that was not the Indians. The Indians don't shift around a ton. They don't, they don't put a ton of stock into... Uh, stuff like spin rate, stuff like that, those new driveline-y kind of stats um, that that Bauer's crazy about. So to me, it didn't jump off the page as much because, yeah, if you're in a situation now where they they put more stock into that stuff and that's your cup of tea, then, yeah, you are going to be happier there. You know what I mean? Am I out of line in think, thinking that? No, but I think it's also because you're you follow the team – a lot closer than most and for those really uninitiated with the Indians and even Bauer to some extent I mean we all know Bauer's a head case that's no secret the thing about the comments that and we talked about it before we recorded but the thing about these comments is that's fine if you want to go to a more analytical driven organization but when you think about it it's like dude you, you left a perennial playoff contender and you went to one of the worst run organizations in the sport. So great. They like to look at, you know, next gen stats, stat cast, all that good stuff that he likes. But if it doesn't produce wins, then why are you so excited about it? Like that. For yeah, me, that's that's the most concerning thing here. And I don't even think it's concerning. I just think it's real telling about Bauer and where his priorities lie. I don't think he cares about being or being on a winning team. It I don't think so like either. That. And I think he's just really all about, you know, being able to use this as some type of collateral to push his narrative that next-gen stats are, you know, what makes uh, players better. 
But if that was the case, wouldn't we be seeing the results play out? I know organizations have done it to you know their advantage, like the Astros are very analytical, the Yankees are very analytical now, um, but the Reds are just kind of a they've been a shitstorm the last ten years or so. And and then going maybe, on top of that, you know, we talked about it right before recording. He hasn't seen the results in Cincinnati. No, he's been pitching really poorly since he got to Cincinnati. He's he he's one his he's one in three record, one in four as a team in those games. Um, he's only he's thrown twenty six innings in those five starts. Uh, his ERA is thirty two strikeouts, ten walks. He's given up four home runs in five starts with an ERA of seven point six two. Yeah, it's not screaming success. So... Teams have an eight eighty nine OPS against him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I mean. <laughs> Uh, a 386 BABIP. We don't have enough to give a FIP, but I would guess it's not great. No, if the ERA is in the what mid sevens, you said seven six two. Yeah, seven six two. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine the FIPs much below four or much around or much higher than or much. Wow, fuck. <laughs> I can't imagine I know what you're it's. Saying. Yeah, I can't say it, it's. It's probably around four. It's definitely not going to be below it. Probably high fours, low fives. To be yeah. honest, if that's where, because again, because he switched leagues and that might be masking some of it. And I understand that the numbers are going to be kind of crazy right now, but uh, still, it, yeah, it's not the fruits aren't the fruits of his labor aren't really showing right now. And what what he's doing in, in Cincinnati, I don't know if he's eating too much skyline chili and shit in his pants before it starts. But <sighs> please tell I me just, you've never had that shit. No, I I will never have that shit. I've seen pictures of it. It looks do they like have, diarrhea. Do they have any of those outside of Ohio? Do I've guys... never seen Skyline advertised outside. I mean, I've never looked for it. Granted, because I don't want it, but I I can it's tell you fucking, right now, I've never it's seen it. Nasty. I've never yeah. had it, but my my now brother in law fucking loves the shit, and it's just like, dude, what are you eating? It looks like a dirty diaper. It looks like something they just pulled off of Tommy Pickles at the Rugrats. <laughs> It's fucking gross. You're on your reference game today. I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm all set with uh, Skyline Chili. Likewise. Sticking with the tribe, um, Jose Ramirez breaks his hand swinging a bat. Not even like he, he didn't foul it off his hand. He swung through a baseball and straight up broke his uh, his hamate bone, his hamate bone. Uh, it's a bone in his hand. He had surgery on uh, Monday. He is done for five to seven weeks. Uh, the playoffs start in five weeks. So realistically, mid-ALCS, end of ALCS, yeah. it'd probably be their, their most realistic timeline. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. The, the thing about this is it's also very complicated because, well, first, the Indians have to make the postseason anyway they're, yeah they're I'm, I'm saying timeline like assuming no, the indians no, no, I, keep yeah. playing right right it's yeah i think that's a realistic expectation for when he would potentially be able to return the thing to keep in mind too is that with a hand injury like this because uh, i've i mean other players have had similar injuries and they might have that timetable originally but it gets hung up because when the rehab process goes through uh, they might not be swinging as hard as they can. They might be afraid to re-injure it. We saw it with Judge and his oblique this year. It's it's not an, an injury where you can just say, oh, it's healed, I'm ready to go back. I mean, there's a lot of rehab that goes into it too, especially with a hand because you use your hands when you bat and throw and, and everything in between. So this isn't going to be one of those things like a hamstring where he just needs to 
you know, do rest and rehab. It's, this is kind of a more serious thing where he's using this in his swing and this is how he swings the bat. So I don't know if he even comes back. Do we expect, you know, Jose Ramirez production? I, no, I don't think you can. I mean, Joey Gallo uh, did this exact same thing. He hasn't played since July 23rd and isn't expected again until mid-September. Yeah. So no, that's a good point. I, I, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't expect one. I can't expect him to return. Two. I can't expect uh, him to return with production. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he can. And, and this really is more serious to the fact that they're fighting for a playoff spot now. Um, and, and of course, the A's are still. For some reason, the A's just won't go away. I don't think the A's are that good of a team. We talked about this when we kind of broke down the playoff contenders uh, a couple episodes ago. But I really thought the Indians were a better team than the A's especially after the trade deadline. And now to see this kind of play out, I don't know how they – I bet you guys wish you had Giro Rochelle right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Instead um, of trotting out Yu Chang out there. <laughs> but <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's a tough one to come back from because they don't – they were struggling on offense even after the trade uh, in some cases. You can't ask Yasiel Puig and Fran Reyes to just become superhuman now. That being said, Fran Meals hit the fucking shit out of the ball the last week. I have seen that, but I don't know if that's sustainable, and I wouldn't want to count on that for the rest no, of the No, I'm season. not. I'm not counting on it. I just am expressing my love for that man on the air. Okay, yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so moving on from that, it kind of goes hand in hand with with Yu Chang and and last year Gio Urshela. No pun intended. Hand in hand. <laughs> um, speaking of hand, Brad Hand's fucking terrible right now. Um, anyway, September one means forty man roster time. Uh, do you like the expansion of rosters? This is the last year we're gonna see it. Do you like the forty man September call ups? That's the thing. I don't. I don't know if I if I really like it that much because. If you're calling up an extra 15 players to just jump into, you know, a, a season of baseball for that last month, I, I know what the point of it is, is to get prospects and some of these fringe minor leaguers an opportunity to, A, you know, showcase their talents for potential other teams, uh, see if they're in the plans next year if you're a prospect, see, you know, what your development's done in the minors. I get all that, but... At the same time, 30 games, you know, realistically, every guy who plays a full game is going to get three to four, maybe five at-bats. So you have to sacrifice a lot of at-bats in order to get all these players in, and pitchers, too, with innings pitch. So I don't think it's useful for teams to really judge and grade the way that they think it is. Because at the end of the day, what we're looking at is a handful of at-bats for these players that are getting called up. So is that enough for you as a GM or manager to go back and just kind of look at it and say, all right, well, you know, we graded him out as our fifth best prospect in the farm. He came up and he only had two hits out of, you know, 20 at-bats. Like, no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think that's a good way to judge it. And I don't th- if you're going to give prospects a shot, I think there's a better way to do it. And if you just call them up when they're ready. Can I piggyback um, on this real quick? Yeah, go off. Is that 30 days it worth starting their service time clock for no exactly that's that's another point and i'm glad you brought that up because now as a team you're sacrificing a month to these guys who 
you know, probably shouldn't have had in the first place. They're just going up there for a showcase to see how they can help their club in the future. Yeah. There's no guarantee they're going to even be up there until, what, like June when the Super 2 shit starts coming into effect the next year. So now you're like, you're really fucking with their developmental clock because they go to spring training hoping to get a spot. They get sent back down. Even if they came up and hit the piss out of the ball or pitch really well in the 40-man roster uh, process in that month of September, I just don't think it's a good thing for prospects or or minor league players to go through. I think that's why they have those Arizona fall be- fall ball leagues and the winter leagues and spring training in general. That's a better use of it. I don't think this is good. And I also don't like what it does to the playoff implications too because if I'm if I have a team like the Dodgers who's guaranteed a play uh, playoff spot and they don't really have to do too much. They can just kind of play their kids going up against a team like the Mets who need every win they can get. You know, if I'm that kind of skews it a little bit. I, oh, I absolutely. I'm, yeah, and that's that's my other issue with it is the competitive. And then on top of that, of it, on top of that, you will get a team like the Twins. Down the stretch, they play the Tigers and Orioles. I think or the the Tigers and Tigers and Royals in that last week of the season. Yeah. Neither of those teams are going to be trotting guys out that are worth a shit because they're going to be because those guys are going to be seeing, you know, what their future looks like in that week. You know what I mean? So yeah. that could literally impact the AL Central. If the Indians are, are are in spitting distance, now you have an already bad Royals team trotting out double A guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, I 100% agree with you too. And the the, the play the, the competitive balance within the league just gets really shifted because now it's almost like an extended spring training. It's, mm-hmm. it's you're essentially giving another spring training month in a real in real games that matter. Um, and to your point for a team like the Twins where they're playing those teams and they see them on the schedule and they know that they can probably expect to see some minor leaguers playing in MLB games. Um, not to say it doesn't happen during the season. I mean, the Yankees' whole fucking roster this year has almost been AAA, but that's out of necessity, not just you know because they can. And yeah. I, and they're not showcasing Gio Rochella and Mike Talkman. They're fucking using them because they need to get wins. It's, it's not the same as the Orioles running out uh, Ryan Mountcastle, who's a top prospect in their system, to see if he's ready to play. This isn't the same as that. Or the Tigers bringing up Casey Mize if they wanted to do that. Like that's that's not the same at all. Yeah, couldn't agree more with that. Um, how much have the Yankees utilized September call-ups? Because I know the Indians will maybe bring up two or three guys a year, if that. Yeah. Yeah. The Indians don't really utilize it to to expand to the full forty man. Yeah, and that's the thing that the Yankees. For where they are, because they're still fighting for home fields, um, and, and I think that's very real for them, because they do not want to travel to Houston again um, or Minnesota, and I think they're using this more as a time for a couple players that they think are ready. Um, but that's what smart teams do. That's the difference between a team like the Yankees and a team like the Orioles or the Tigers. They have good leadership, so they're not in that position very often where they can use this month as a wash or another spring training. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they, they have plans. Like Teams like that are in position have a plan to say, well, we have an opportunity. We don't have to use options. We can just kind of bring them up and see how it goes. And that's what they'll use it for. I know the Yankees are, are potentially planning on bringing up Davey Garcia, who is their top prospect. Because when Severino comes back and, and Batances comes back, you have to kind of fix that postseason roster. Because I think I would send Jay Happ to the fucking sun at this point. <laughs> but they're probably looking for ways to see how they can improve their team. Not looking at ways to see how can they utilize this player in a trade or when will he impact the team down the road. 
So, and to your point with the Indians, they're probably doing the same thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think competitive teams know how to use it. They don't, you don't have to have 40, 40 men on the roster at a time. You don't have to do that by any means. I think it's just for teams that know what they have. It's a good opportunity for them to see what they could have come the postseason. So that's where, like, pinch runners and, and things like that of that nature come into play. And good for us with the competitive balance. It's gone after next year, or after this year. Yeah, thank God. Just <laughs> If you really want to just get more development, then extend the minor league season. Like, yeah, no honestly. Re- I went to I went to a single a single A game last night and I mean like I I wouldn't mind seeing those guys for another month in not in over their head against you know pro guys Grant you're not gonna call a guy from Lake County to Cleveland but right but I know what you're saying it's just yeah they they end the season too early so just let them play another month in the minors and develop them that way so I wonder with September call ups happening or ending I should say I wonder if that's something we're gonna see. Because now, are you guys gonna are you just gonna release those dudes at the end of August now, or are they are they gonna, you know, see like you know what I mean? Yeah. I, want, I wonder no. if extending the minor league season is something we see. I honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to it, and I think they're probably talking about it because now they have a, a month off where they can't get. I mean, they can get called up, but they're not going to be playing regularly. So, you know. Yeah, and at the same time, if you're gonna call a guy up in September call ups, you know, why not? call them up now you know what i mean like it doesn't matter if, it's, if the season's extended you know exactly yeah exactly all right uh let's revisit an old subject here it's time for call to the pen uh cy young edition and we talked about this at the all-star break we talked about uh you know who we see winning uh the cy youngs uh, let's 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 name some finalists here for the al quote-unquote finalists i think i think verlander cole and morton you know a lot of diversity in there um <laughs> three former fucking teammates yeah <laughs> all three of them on the astros last year yeah yeah so. uh so so <laughs> what what do you see if you were to pick one of these three for the al cy young i personally like garrett cole a lot this year and the reason being so 4.5 war uh having an amazing season with 275 era i know we don't put too much stock into it but when if we have to put our minds in the you know mind of a baseball writer the win loss thing. Yeah, um, it is. That, it, it's huge, and fifteen and five is probably about as good as it's going to get. So the other thing we should point to: so two hundred thirty eight strikeouts in a little under one hundred sixty five innings pitched, and a point nine five WHIP. So that tells me Cole A is missing bats. B when he does let someone on, he's get, get he's leaving them on base. He's not letting anyone on to begin with, for that matter. I'm, I just think he's having a more productive season. And I know it's a free agent year, so I don't know if that has anything to do with him just somehow finding God uh, and pitching <laughs> like God. But this is pretty much on, on par for what he did last year. 15-5 last year, what he ended the year with, 2.88 ERA. Um, obviously, he has more games to pitch this year, so he could potentially be a 20-game winner. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's going to probably hit the 200-inning pitch mark again. Guy's an absolute horse. He's dependable as they come. He's my he, he's my Cy Young. Only forty walks too. So just everything about him, he's the most valuable player at that position, which obviously yeah. is the Cy Young. So uh, I'll say uh, Verlander's my guy. Uh, you mentioned the WAR. He's second in WAR. He actually has a higher WAR than Cole and Morton. He's got a five point seven. Uh, second in ERA with only point zero two behind uh, Cole. Has as many wins as Cole. Uh, has a better WHIP. By point by a point by a, by a tenth, 
less hits per nine, more innings pitched. Um, he's got a comparable strikeouts per nine, one less. Uh, leads the league in total strikeouts. Uh, best strikeouts to walks, seven Ks per walk. The only thing that I can see getting away from uh, Verlander for the Cy Young is he has given up the most home runs in the AL this year. Yeah. Uh, however, Morton leads the league in, in home runs. Per, I'm sorry. Well, Morton's got the best home runs per nine. So I, I read that stat wrong. Kind of backfired on me. Um, <laughs> Cole and Verlander are both in the top three in ERA+. Plus. Cole with a 163. Verlander a 162. Um, adjusted pitching runs. I'm not really sure how that stat works. So the, I'm just going to list off three stats that I don't know how they work. Uh, actually, a few here, but they're, but Verlander's leading, so I'm just going to uh, take credit for him. Yep. Uh, adjusted pitching runs. Verlander leads the league in that. Adjusted wins or adjusted pitching wins. Verlander leads the league in that. Base out. Base out runs saved. He leads the league in that by four, which seems like a pretty significant margin at this point. Looking at the top 10. Uh, base out wins saved. Leads the league in that. Situational wins. Leads the league in that. And win probability for pitcher. Leads the league in that. So, granted, I'm not going to be the guy that is going to bang on the table for, for stats that I don't know what they mean. But <laughs> if, if if baseball references lists them as, as uh, relevant stats, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it to my advantage here. <laughs> no, I mean, if they're there, use it. Um, one stat we both understand, though, ERA, Garrett Cole leads the league with that, 275. And he also had a, has a better uh, FIP than uh, Verlander. Yeah. That being said, Morton's got a better FIP than both of them. He leads the league. I wonder how much that has to do with Morton playing in, like, Tampa Bay with the run support he gets to, though. Oh, you definitely. Know? Definitely a factor. So, I guess from that lens, Morton definitely has a shot. I just don't... If the Rays make the playoffs, then yes, there's more consideration towards that because they're doing it without Snell uh, at this point, and they're doing it without Glass now. So Morton's really kind of picked up the load. Um, so I, I get it. But just for what the Astros are and having two of those guys in the rotation and both of them performing at this level, I think, I mean, it's going to go to one of them in my opinion. I give the edge to Garrett Cole. But again, there's a compelling case for both. Yeah, and and you know it doesn't hurt that you know you can kind of compare them equally, being both on the on the Astros and facing uh, similar similar opponents, if not the same opponents, in the same week. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's that too. Yeah. So that definitely helps. Uh, let's turn to the NL. I think uh, the I think our finalists for there are going to be uh, Ryu Scherzer to Grom. We talked about this at the All Star break, and you were on the Ryu train. Where do you sit now? So I st- nothing against Ryu. I still like him a lot. Um, but I will actually use the Charlie Morton, I guess, argument here for DeGrom. So DeGrom, again, I mean, this guy's never going to be a 20-game winner just because of the team he plays on, the run support he gets. So, But he's 8-7, and seven, 2.56 ERA, almost a run higher than when he was a Cy Young last year. He had that 1-7 ERA, which was ridiculous. Well, we probably won't see that again. Mm-hmm. However... Leading his league in strikeouts, 207 strikeouts. So I like that. I like what I see there. Um, he's most likely going to get to 200 innings again. He's on pace for it at least. 
the Mets in general should not be in a playoff discussion based on the team makeup they have. Fuck what Brody tells you. That wasn't his vision. Yep. Um, I, and for them to be in this position, and I know a lot of things have to fall in place, but DeGrom has been a stabilizing force for this team last year when they went on a little bit of a run, and this year now that they're kind of on the doorstep of the playoffs. And it's really because of him and Syndergaard figuring it out, but more so DeGrom because DeGrom is the ace of that staff. He's their stopper. And he's been going out, he's been pitching as well as anyone this last, you know, two months plus. So I would give him the Cy Young, especially given where his team is right now because of his performance. Yeah, uh, I'm not disagreeing with you because, I mean, he's been he's been lights out. Um, I'm going to stick with my, my guy at the break, and that's Max Scherzer, Mad Max. Uh, tied with DeGrom for the lead in war, uh, second in the NL and ERA has has himself a good amount of wins i'm not seeing it right here off the top of my head um sub one whip uh top 10 in hits per nine top 10 in uh walks per nine he's top five in walks per nine leads league in k's per nine i i see i like and this is you know maybe just me liking things to be equal i love the per nine stats to to you know, kind of even out everything. Cause like you can go 200 innings and you know, you can, uh, you know, who's to compare, you know, a 200 inning guy versus a, you know, 175 guy. Like it, the, the, yeah. it, it evens out the counting stats. You know what I mean? No, it's a good point. I mean, I, th- I think that's a good point too, that you brought up. Uh, I like, I love his strikeouts, strikeout to walk ratio, 7.3. That leads the NL. Um, I just I I am I'm, I'm all in. He leads the NL in FIP as well by a ha- by a half a point. Uh, Degrom is second there with two six eight. Um, I I'm I'm all in on Mad Max. I mean, it's a compelling case. I I think the Max Scherzer for Cy Young is going to be something that we see year in year out. I don't oh, think yeah. he's slowing down. Yeah. Um, but I just and I know it's it's kind of the same narrative too with the Nationals, right? Uh, Scherzer, because this team wasn't supposed to be good either, but they're playing extremely well, and a lot of that has to do with Scherzer and the pitching staff. And and again, it's the same argument with Scherzer. He's to that team what DeGrom is to the Mets. They count yeah. on him to go out and they and to win games, keep them in games, and they pitch their abilities and they win games. So that's I completely understand. I still would give the edge to DeGrom, and I think – if I had a vote, I would only give it to DeGrom more just because he won it last year and he's kind of replicating that performance again this year. And in this day and age, it's so rare to see a pitcher be able to do that year in, year out. I'm looking at DeGrom's career stats right now. He's a career 2.65 ERA pitcher. And the wins are never going to jump out at you. His win-to-loss ratio is never going to jump out at you. It's actually pretty mediocre. But the things that you can look at if you lift up the hood a little bit is just what he does on a, on a per night basis, right? He, he's a career 0.8 home run per nine. So he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. He doesn't walk a lot of people, 2.2 per nine, 10.3 strikeouts per nine, <clears throat> a career 2.79 FIP. So everything this guy does, he really kind of controls the outcome and he, he puts a game into his own hands. So everything here just kind of speaks volumes about how good he is. And that's why I just, and I know Scherzer's stats are probably very comparable, um, but when I look at a, a franchise like the Mets to have this guy, and it's almost sad really that they've wasted this fucking talent this much, 
um, with DeGrom because imagine what could have been if he was with Scherzer on the Nationals all those years. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to think. I love going through stuff like that. And then, like, imagine if Morton didn't go to Tampa this year and you could have had a, a rotation of Verlander, Cole, Morton, yeah. um, and then adding in Grenke. Like, gross. And Wade Miley. Yeah, yeah and my – jeez, Louise. All right, uh, before we get to our curtain calls, uh, we want to let you know, if you're looking to sign up with an online sportsbook for the first time, or if you're simply looking to join a new one, the breakdown has you covered. Check out mybookie.ag and use our code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N, and you'll get a 50% bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Seven, we're giving away free money here. That means if you deposit 100 bucks using our code, you get 50 bucks for free. And yeah, I did it. If you're like me and you're a bad gambler, free money is the best money. So uh, use our code BREAKDOWN on MyBookie. Now get free credit on your first deposit. Seven, it's time for our curtain calls. Yes, I'll leave this one off. Um, We touched on Zach Granke, but I know this. I actually think this is going to come true because he plays in the AL now. Um, So Granke will finish the season with a better personal batting average than his batting average against. And for a pitcher, and if you follow the sport, you know how impressive that actually is, considering that they only hit once every five days for maybe two at-bats. So um, this is definitely, potentially, will definitely come true, because he is, (laughs) (laughs) he's in the AL. Potentially, (laughs) definitely, will. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's going to come true. Uh, But yeah, so Granke will will finish uh, as a better hitter, than the than the batters that face him, statistically speaking. I love that. Um, so I'm going to go back to Players Weekend. Players Weekend next year will be back with the bright uniforms, but with a twist. They're going to stay on this uh, same color shirt, same color pants look, and we're going to see some wild stuff next year. We're going to see purple pants out of the Rockies, uh, yellow pants out of the pirates they're gonna go they're gonna match it's it's gonna like i think mlb is on this monochromatic look and we're but they're gonna go back in the direction of the bright uniforms next year and we're gonna see bright uniform bright jerseys bright pants i like that that's like color rush for baseball it's exactly what it's gonna be it's exactly what it's gonna be we're gonna see baseball color rush on players weekend but Uh, my issue as a yankees fan just give me my fucking pinstripe pants like just don't get rid of the pinstripes completely I'm okay if you want to do, like, the navy uniform. And navy on navy with white pinstripes? Ooh, pinstripe socks with the navy pants. Ooh. Would it work? <sighs> somebody somebody make up that graphic and tweet it to us. <laughs> need to see that. I need to see that on Aaron Judge's body. So, so I was thinking about it with the players' weekend, and I was thinking if the Indians had all navy or all red, I wouldn't have hated the jerseys as much. Yeah, I think the all red ones would have looked pretty fire. They actually wore all red in the seventies. Did they? Oh my gosh, it's it's gross looking. But um, if you wore it for a weekend, I'd get on board with it. I always had a problem yeah, with like black. Days. Black isn't one of the Indians' colors, and now you're trotting them out, and like Terry Terry can't wear his, his pullover because it's gonna clash. Like the fuck. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's the same thing with the Yankees. They, like, they don't have black in their colors. It's navy blue and white. And gray. The navy, the, the Yankees' navy is at least close to black. Like, it's a dark navy. 
It is a dark navy, but I just I hated those black uniforms. They oh were yeah, fucking, they were so fucking ugly. Yeah, no arguments here. But that's what I think. Next year, color rush for baseball. Yeah, I'm so in. I love that. I wish that the. I think they got rid of the color rush in football, didn't they? Or I know the brown. They... The Browns. We the Cleveland fans love our color rush uniforms. So the Browns are gonna orange. rock. No, they were they were brown, but they changed the striping on the sleeve. Um, and they actually a uh, little insider knowledge here. The Browns orange jerseys, they're awesome, but they failed the TV test, so they're actually not allowed to wear them. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Because they I went mean... they went orange jerseys, white numbers, and you can't see the numbers on film. Oh, okay. It's that bad. Makes sense. It's bad. Oh. Just okay. I would say classic Browns, but not not anymore. Um, but yeah, so that's color rush next year. Seven, any closing remarks, bud? No closing remarks from me. Color rush and baseball, bring it on. Let's do it. And uh, Zach Ranke, doing it with the stick. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, he's real seven Costanza. I'm Tommy Caracelli. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.